on this episode of Quantum Week, December 19th through 25th, 1993. Quantum Week. Quantum Week. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year, and we talk about the movies, the music, the headlines, anything that's happening during that time period that makes it unique. And today we are in December 19th through 25th, 1993, doing the Pelican Brief and Shoop. Yeah, so uh, last episode we did uh, Tombstone and uh, Daughter by Pearl Jam. Yep. I think we kind of shot our load last time. Uh, yeah, it feels th- like it. This is rough. Um, so uh, let's get into Pelican Brief. Sure. Okay, so we've been doing, this is our 31st episode? This is 31. Okay, never before has watching a movie for the show felt more like a chore. It did feel like a chore, and I don't think it's the worst movie we've seen, but it did feel like a chore. It's not the worst movie we've seen. Uh, The more I think about it, the more I hate it. I think it'll likely be in my bottom five. You think so? I think so. I don't think I'll get there, but- This movie is trash. It's not- it's not good, but I don't, I, it's like a, I would say it's a, oh, it's like a D plus C minus. It's a C minus for me, I think, probably. Uh, yeah, I think it's a D plus. So, um, like Denzel's good and uh, what's her face is good. Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts yeah, what's her face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, blanking. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be that kind of show, folks. Just strap in. I, I don't think this is going to be, uh, this isn't the one we submit for a Marconi award, I don't think. No, it's a tougher week for for us, not just with the show, but shit's kind of happening just, today in the world. Just Whatever. A, just, it's just a shitty day. It's just, a shitty day. Yeah, and I also, just, this this movie is uh, is not good. This So, uh, if you if you haven't, check out the uh, podcast we did, uh, about Presumed Innocent. Right, yes. So, the reason I bring that up is that was a Harrison Ford uh, one. It was based on a Scott Tudor novel, um, which uh, Alan Pacquiao directed. Okay? Same director as The Pelican. Exactly. Movie. So, I said in that episode, I, mean, I think I made the... Uh, assertion that was kind of the, the last great or the last decent thing Pacula did, right? Yeah. Uh, you had Pacula, you had Gordon Willis, the famous cinematographer who did the Godfather movies. You had kind of all of these guys kind of going like one last, one last dance, one last great swing at this. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't a great movie, but it, it's a good movie. It's it's quite good. It's and very, it's, I thought, yeah, it's very good. Very good. Yeah, I think so too. And it's enjoyable and it was interesting. It was sure. really smart and really interestingly shot and just, just had a lot going on. This is then like this is like the season after. So like you know like in reality, I think it was what three years after. Yep. But I think it's the next movie Pacula did. I believe you are correct. Um, yeah. So and it's it's the the you know the the mold is on the bread. Like it's not is not good. He he's lost his fast. He's lost his ability to to make a good movie. Great example of this. He did the screenplay on this too. He did. It's based off, of course on a John Grisham right which. Uh, I have some real issues with John Grisham. Hey, I don't think John Grisham's a tremendously great writer. No, he's not. Uh, and I also think his movies don't translate that great to film. Well, it's also weird that he released the book. Grisham released the book in 1992 and this became a movie in 93. So you have to ask yourself, right. was he writing this specifically so that it would be filmed? And he obviously was. Clearly. And yeah. it it's funny because it just wasn't filmed well. No. Um, so a great example of what I mean by Pacquiao. So Pacquiao is a guy that has a steady hand uh, he, he can do some really impressive kind of like long, like wide shots, like in all the president's men. You think about like when they're in, the, uh, the, like the library uh, of Congress, that scene, yeah. um, it's a really cool shot, but, but he's more of like a slow burn, intelligent dramas. Um, and then, uh, kind of lets the actors do the work. Yeah, kind of. And also just like, has like a very like 
like a slow methodical pace to it yeah. with like a lot of dialogue typically um, that you got to kind of like really focus and pay attention on. Yes. Um, but the, the way it's shot is particularly exciting and thrilling. Um, but in the seventies, that kind of works. Uh, that works really well. Actually it didn't kind of work. It worked brilliantly. Uh, cause people, audiences like that kind of pacing. Yep. And the eighties things kind of changed as we went and, you know, people had shorter and shorter attention spans. And then by the nineties, you know, we were, you know, you know it, was, it was a different, you, you, it's not like it is today, but people certainly had a less attention span for movies in the seventies. Sure. People just expected crisper editing, things like that. So where this goes wrong is not only did Pacula not adjust with the times, it almost like he got slower and like less, uh, less direct. So, Sure. Example of this. So there's a scene when in John Hurd's in the hotel room, uh, the hotel room he dies in. Yeah. And he makes a phone call. And then for some reason, the camera just pans down ever so slowly following a wire until it leads to um, basically it was like a, bugging, it's a recording, a recording uh, yeah, a device. Yeah. Uh, and this, but it, it's like a 20 second shot. It is a long shot. Yeah. And why? Because we know what the wire is. As exactly. soon as we see the wire, we know the fu- where the fuck we know what the payoff is. So right, maybe show the wire and show a shot of the uh, underneath the the telephone. Exactly. And you boom, would know. Boom. And it, we just say twenty seconds. We would know. So uh, you know, Pacula directs this movie like an old man. So what I mean by that is he's he seems to be like almost overwhelmed with technology that's <laughs> not that uh, cutting edge. So right, even nineteen ninety three, that was not like a everyone. No, know, everybody shit. knew what a bug was. Like uh, in nineteen ninety three, like a security camera is not that exciting. Yeah. But in Pacquiao's mind, he's an old man. It must've been like, oh, because you know, you look at that shot of the Oval Office at near the end of the movie. That's right. And then they show it from the security camera's point of view. It's like, uh, all right, that's that's really not that thrilling. Like the climax, the action climax is movies in a parking garage. Right. Like it, the parking garages might've been interesting, dark places in the seventies where he, you know, he has some stuff in all the president's men happen in parking garages. Sure. Dark, ominous place. Feels but, like dirty Harry. But by the nineties, like Seinfeld literally did an episode of Seinfeld, like a couple years later yeah. that exposed the parking garage to the most boring place in the world. <laughs> like it's the last place you want to have an action sequence. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like I'm looking at this in 2020s eyes. Like Seinfeld literally did this like the same year almost of how shitty and boring a parking garage is. Like that whole sequence alone is a great example of how shitty this movie is. Right. So think about that parking garage sequence. So um, Denzel Washington is is out of the car with Julia. You know, they're, out, they're not in the car and someone yep. comes by and puts a car bomb in the car. Yep. Okay. Then Julia Roberts says, they'll watch go back in the car. Julia Roberts realizes a car bomb is in there and they escape the car. Yeah. And there's some weird car chase where they're chasing them to the garage. It's, it's shot very poorly. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, you don't never really know what level they're on. It's very confusing and it's not, it's not done well. It's not very exciting. Sure. And then when the, the car is about to crash into Julia Roberts and Denzel Washington, they dodge out of the way. And it happens to crash into the very car that I has know. the car bomb. What the fuck? What are the odds? What the fuck? And I didn't even, how did they get back there? I thought they were down a couple no, I, levels. You have no idea. Did they just like, like some transport through the floor they, and the ceiling or something to get there? They may not have that been down a few levels. Was there just one it car chase like them they, or two? It looked like they went over, uh, it looked like, I don't know. It looked like they were two cars. Plus, wasn't there, very someone, confusing. there was also someone on foot with a rifle shooting at them. I saw it and that was the Where old, did that guy go? Where did he go? I saw that and I was like, huh. It was, it was just, it was so bizarrely shot. And yeah. this, and the whole storyline is muddled. Should I give the, cons- oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, do it. Actually do it because I want to speak to that. Actually. Okay. So two Supreme Court justices are murdered. Soon thereafter, a young law student named Darby played by Julie Roberts comes up with a theory of who did it. I don't know why she decides to, but she does. She writes a legal brief and through her lover slash law professor, fi- that brief gets its way to the, uh, finds its way to the FBI. He gets killed by a car bomb meant for both of them. And Darby realizes 
that her theory is correct. She enlists the help of Gray Grantham, who is a reporter played by Denzel Washington, to tell the story and save her life. That's it, yes. Kind of. Um, yeah, so what's the most interesting part of what you just read to me? Mm. I think it's the two Supreme Court justices get murdered. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Why not just have that be the movie? That's great. Like, have the whole, like, conspiracy. Have, like, I'd love to, you know, I, I'd love to see a movie where people plan a way to kill Supreme Court. I, this isn't a political <laughs> thing, but that to me is like, no, what? It's, it's that's interesting. a fascinating, sure. right. you know, like, whoa, what, what, what transpired there? But they had so little respect for that, they didn't even show the murders. No. So you see, that that was a huge problem that I had. You see, uh, what was it, Kamir, what's well, the guy's name? Comes into the comes into to murder. St- Stanley Tucci. Stanley which, Tucci's Which is character. ridiculous, because Stanley Tucci's a good actor. He is a good he's actor. He's not menacing at all. No, Totally he's miscast. No, absolutely. He comes in to try to murder the older uh, justice, and the camera pans away from him right. when Stanley Tucci shoots him in the head. Like, well, they don't show it. This is a thing throughout the movie, though. The same thing with the John Hurd uh, murder happens. Do they not show they that show either? They show blood when he's watching They Coach. show blood. The right. show coach on TV. Right. Get, so poor Jerry Van Dyke's <laughs> face explodes of blood. It was yeah. just a bizarre shot. Yeah. Right. I think he was almost like making a statement about violence in movies or I don't know what that was. And then they didn't show the second one too. So, so no. did I get that right? The other justice uh, was in a, was in a, like a, a dirty movie. The only time you see someone get killed actually is the old justice which was played by Hume Cronin, uh, who is in Cocoon. He's Jessica Tandy's husband. Very, very old man. Yes. His like assistant gets killed. You and do, we see him get shot. You do see him get shot. Right. But you don't we see, see Stanley Tucci get shot, I think, too. Do no, you see blood. You, we just not see really. You see blood on her, on her, right? Oh, yeah, that's what it is. We see it from her but perspective. For some reason, you do see that poor assistant get killed. It's like old man's he, friend. Yeah, we don't give a shit about um, him, apparently. And then you right, so then he kills the younger Supreme Court justice who happens to go to a, a porno theater. I think it's a porno theater. That and way, they strangled not, him. Strangled him, right? But very quickly, quickly in a porno theater. Strangles him in, in a, public with a with a, a rope that he had fitted for this movie's bad. It was his belt. This movie's bad. The more was, you think about this yeah, movie, yeah, no, you're this movie right. Is trash. This might, this might, you, we might. Be this movie is yeah, bad. This I, might go into. The, when in the I finished part. it, I was like, oh, the movie's so boring. What a drag. It was boring. That was, but then the I started events. like thinking about it for the show. I'm like, wait a second, this movie is trash. This movie doesn't make any fucking sense. This movie's garbage. This movie's awful. And so, it's so convoluted too. There's so like convoluted. a tons of storylines and you don't know who the good guys are. They, they, they make it appear that the president could be the bad guy. The, uh, the chief of staff guy, um, played by who's our uh, buddy. Tony Golan. From Tony Ghost. Golan. You know, he's Tony Golan's good, but he's actually good in this. Yeah. He's, he's, he's kind of normal, normal for him as a bad guy. You almost want to see more of him. Yeah. I don't know why. I thought Robert Culp was a good president too. Um, yeah, he was very bumbling. a little bumbling and I thought, but, but, I, but I, I bought it. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You I see would like to see dog. a movie with those two guys, Culp and Goldwyn, uh, d- d- put a plan together to kill the Supreme court justice. <laughs> we should do that. No Denzel Washington, no Julia Roberts <laughs> characters, nothing against them. They're good actors. Obviously, you know, Denzel's great. Yeah. But, uh, I, they, they just, the movie just didn't work. Uh, yeah, that, that was, a, I'd like to see that too. So why is the Supreme court justice in a, Point. That's not realistic. But I, and the thing is, I don't know what. Like, even if it is in Washington D.C., but why? Like, why would they put him there? What's the purpose of doing that? No, to there, him? no explanation of that. None. And then, like, in, in near the end, or around, like the three quarter mark, Julia Roberts goes to New York City for no reason. Is there for one scene and then leaves New York again. She goes from New Orleans. Yeah. Why does to New she York? Says, Meet me in New York. Why'd and he she does. Go there? And then they end up just going, they end up leaving that night to go to Washington, D.C. I don't understand why, why she went was there. Why was he there? I have no idea. That makes no sense. No sense. And it, it it's just constant like, 
weird, not honestly plot twists, but plot movements. Yeah. That don't really are an explicit. Why is the Supreme Court justice like, uh, is he a sex addict? That's that, yeah, but what, like, how does that further the plot? It, but that, but wouldn't that, I see, I'd like to see a movie where we talk about that. A Supreme, sure. A whole, you could have a whole movie where Supreme Court justice is a sex addict. That's a movie. Yeah, it is. Because yeah. this guy's trying to hide this and, you know, it's, right. you know, is, is it damning? What happened? What happens if you just found out? He, is he, because he's stepping into the bench? That's an interesting movie. These two people, like, in this weird action m- movie with that. It it's so, not even really a good action movie. They run a nuts. little bit. Julia Roberts, who I think is wildly overrated, uh, is, is kind of, doesn't really know what to do here. She's very young. She is young. She's only like 26 when she plays this part. And yeah, and, and she's supposed to play young. She's only 24. The and ca- she's off of a two-year hiatus too at this point. She is she? Two years off, yeah. I think it was after Pretty Woman. She took two years. This is like the that. first movie after Pretty Woman? Or Sleeping mm-hmm. with Daniel was the first one after that. Oh, no, this is the first one after a two-year hiatus. So I don't I don't know. I can't remember what the last one was, but she took two years. Huh. Yeah, from I mean, 91 I, to 93. I think Sleeping with Daniel was 91. I don't think this okay. is, I think that was the follow-up to Pretty Woman. Then may, yeah, you could be right. But um, then she went away and I don't know why. Yeah. Well, I know she had some, the whole thing with Kiefer Sutherland. She was in Flatliners too. That was yeah. before this too. Yeah. Um, I mean, she she was in, you know. She a, had a, a bunch of movies in her early 20s. Like she did. Right in a row. I mean, she's had an amazing career. Yeah, she She's has. a Hall of Famer. I, yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I don't care for her. I think she's work, good. Typically. I, I, think she's, I think she's okay. I think she's, um, has a good agent. Um, I, I don't think, she, I don't think she, it's boring. It's just not, also not my genre. Her no, typical it's not. Stuff. No, no, no. And, uh, and this is a great example of why she, pretty much stuck to rom-coms because she really she really didn't know what to do here she seems yeah. glossed and confused yeah. a lot of time doesn't really know how to and then denzel's you know playing this stoic character which is what the character is but because of that he never really is allowed to emote he's never really allowed really to act his character is written so by the, by the book so cardboard sure you you wonder so then you're like or why did he take this role he's coming off of he's an oscar winner for gory already yep he's already you know he got nominated two years for that um so he's already a two-time nominee and he's in philadelphia the same year actually same year, which is right funny. and yeah. he do, and he does much better work in that yeah um that part's much more interesting yeah of course but you wonder if he's like oh what pacula how do i not do a, a alan pacula movie with julia roberts like i gotta do this yeah it's i'm sure i'm sure it sounds and good. also this movie has no balls and i know it's 1993 so it's different time these two should be hooking up. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, if, that, if he's white, they hook up. You think so? Absolutely. You think that's what it was? If it's, oh. um, yeah, let's say it's, uh, I'm trying to think like, who's it? Well, Tom Cruise would be the, at it's the okay, it's yeah. good, right. I was, I was thinking like whatever. one of the Baldwin, Alec Baldwin, but I think you're yeah, right. Sure. He's too old maybe, yeah. but yeah, you're right. Tom Cruise. They're definitely hooking up. They're not. Yeah, you might be right. I don't know. Well, it definitely did. I don't think it happened in the book. And Ebert talks about it too, that that would have kind of been sketchy for that. But, you know, at the time, maybe it takes away from him being a stoic character, understanding guy, like a non-threatening. It makes him more threatening if, if felt, they're hooking up. It felt like Pacquiao wanted to happen. Because Pacquiao Actually, the other thing puts is, the camera on when they're holding hands. Pacquiao, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, you know, the last scene, there's no words exchanged. There is some intimacy, yeah. There's, there's, he, he seems to want something there. But she just lost uh, Sam Shepard, like, right. within the last week or two weeks. So, you know, but That's true. maybe you're looking for comfort, too. I don't know. I could see both sides. It seems like Pacquiao wanted to, though, and didn't have the balls to do it. That's maybe. how I felt watching it. All your reasons are perfectly valid. Yeah. And maybe you're right. Maybe I should, and it's also 1983, and I should just give him a pass in this. And that's fine. But I just feel like Pacquiao wanted to take it a step further and just could be, do it. but the, he didn't show balls elsewhere. Like no, none of the violence. They show none of the violence, like none of it, none of it. Yeah. And I, I'm not, I'm for violence. I, I'm not like a 
violence doesn't bother me in movies. It just doesn't. Like, no, but I, I, but it's, also, but I also like don't demand it. Like no, I but guess there's a purpose for this. Yeah. Why wouldn't you show like you're showing it without showing it? That doesn't make sense. So weird. Like he wants to be Hitchcock or something. Yeah. Pack was just trying way too hard. But then he shows like an amazing amount of blood on that coach. Yeah. That is one of the weirdest. <laughs> yeah. That is one of the weirdest things yes. ever. John Heard. <laughs> First, he lies about his weight to someone who's identifying him by his weight. I saw that too. I'm like, why are you insecure having a conversation with Julie Roberts or with, you know, with this character? Why are you insecure and in saying, oh, wait, 180, but I'm trying to lose weight. But he's not 180. Well, he's 5'10". He could be 180. He, he no, he's, he's gut. He did have a big gut, but he's a little shorter than me at 180. Yeah, he, no, he, he should have. He's, 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 he's probably 200. He's two something. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right. So he's lying about his weight to someone why? who has to identify him. I don't understand why. Like, why was that even in the dialogue? Why did it even matter? I think that was like uh, Pacquiao's attempt and Grisham or one of the two, both known for their wit at the comic relief. Um, it wasn't funny. No, it wasn't. It was it just made him seem like was, a slime ball. See, that's one good thing about presumed innocent. Presumed innocent didn't even try to tell jokes. It's like, we're just no, gonna, we're yeah, just you're right. This is completely humorless. Yes. But you know, but we're not there to do that. So we're just going to do this. You know, I didn't even know the FBI were the good guys. Like, I didn't know who killed Kamir. I had to read afterwards. It's like, why'd they kill? Who killed Kamir? Oh, you never know but, until the, well, he says we it, were kind of, but it's a weird. I sort of missed it. Right. Yeah. And, and that's also really bad storytelling too. When you need to have people come on at the end and you, and you can throw Psycho at me. Psycho, I think is a brilliant movie. Yeah. But they do have kind oh, of that Kamel, I keep saying Kamir, but it's Kamel is his name. Um, but like, I, I think the idea that you have to have characters come in the end of a movie and explain what you just watched is a sign that your script doesn't work. I agree. And yes, yeah, Psycho is the rule that makes the ex- is the exception to the rule, but is the exception that makes the rule. But every other movie you see do that doesn't work. Yeah, like do we, if you can't tell it in your script, you have to have people come in and and sure. novelize it for you. You got a problem. Yep. And, well, this movie has a lot of problems. This movie's not good. I also I felt like it suffered from talk don't show a lot too. Like they're sort of talking through the shit. And that's what Pacula does, and he does it with Presumed Innocent um, as well. I mean, that's what that does. Movie, but that movie, but that movie's dialogue is so much better. It is a lot it's, better. It's, it's, it's just, it's, and the, yeah, cause you got court scenes too that are interesting and, right. and supporting actors who are really interesting. It, I think here, here's another issue with this movie. Well, Pacquiao has a hard on for journalism, obviously for all the president's men. And yeah. that's like, so anytime yeah. you see a journalist in a Pacquiao movie, he can do no wrong. Right. Just enough, like the only good guys movie are Denzel Washington and John Lithgow. Yeah. Because, because journalists apparently are the yeah. greatest human beings who ever walked the earth. The other thing Pacquiao really loves is a courthouse drama. So, um, and so does John Grisham. This isn't this isn't really a courtroom drama. So Supreme no, Justice could kill, but it's really it's not a single yeah. scene in the courthouse. Right. So if you take Grisham and Pacula out of the courthouse, you, some some thin ice there. It had like nothing to do with law. Like the firm had no. a lot to do with law and loopholes and sort of shit like Julia that. Julia Roberts or, is a law student. Yeah, law, but that's it. And yeah, there's no there's, the brief is a law brief, but that's it. There's no there's no courtroom. There's no they're not talking about legal ramifications. Really, not not nothing. There's a case kind of. That holds us together a little bit, but did you see uh, young Cynthia Nixon from Sex and the Cities in this movie? No. Oh, is that she uh, plays, plays her friend, her her buddy? I was wondering. I couldn't place her. Is she, is, is she, I don't think she. She. This, this is going to sound. I don't. I don't care. Yeah, bring I, it. I hate this fucking movie. Yeah. So, I don't think she. She's oddly not like a, not attractive. But I'm not saying she's ugly. like. It's almost like Cynthia Nixon. Like almost like she always looks like she's 55. I think she looked like she was uh, smirking more than smiling. Like she was. She was not like having. Yeah, a good time right. She's that sneer. Yeah, right. She always kind of does. I guess. She no, has I don't it know in the show too. You watched that show way more than I did. Apparently, so I, I, don't, I, I don't watched like six episodes. So yes, I guess I did. You never series. watched it once. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, <laughs> no. I used to call it Sex and the Stupidity. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't stand that show. <laughs> that uh, 
I, I tried to like it. I was like, all right. You I'm, did? You know, yeah. Well, like, all right. It's on HBO, whatever. You know, it has some, you know, it, it had some buzz to it. I'll check it out. Yeah. And the way they treated, there's like one character played by John Corbett from uh, yep. Tombstone. Yep. The way that character was treated in Sex and the City, I'm like, I can't. This shows, this is atrocious. These people are horrible. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I had a girlfriend once who watched it. I think I happened. probably I mean, saw like a, yeah. you know, I probably saw an episode. I was like, this is not for me. It's not, it's not junk. Good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so Cynthia Nixon, um, just, just always looks like she's like, I, she wrote like, almost like, like a, um, like an old person and like young person makeup. Yeah. Like they de-aged or something. Like she's like the Irishman. Yeah. It was like so odd. She's I, Benjamin Button. She's, she's going the wrong way. She's going the wrong way. Right. Yeah. I, she's odd. She's very odd to me. I don't know. It's, that's kind of like, was odd to me. I Did think- you find it weird that there were there were also like Sam Shepard, very small role, John Lithgow, very small role, kind of had th- that to it too, where you had all these people that had like five minutes in the film. Well, no, they want to get in the Pacquiao movie. Uh, is that what it is? Yeah. Was Sam- he really revered at this time? I mean, all the president's men I you know, know, figure but- sixteen years earlier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah. I mean, remember you just come off. Pre- 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 we all thought Prison Innocent was a good movie. It's true. It was we good. both would have. We both would have likely. I mean, we both would have wanted to do this movie if we were actors at that time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're right. Because he had come off a string of good movies. This yeah, one, he did. This is when he gets old. Unfortunately, he's like, so I'll tell a quick anecdote about baseball because I hate this movie and I want to talk about other things. Yeah, sure. So the 1964 Yankees um, uh, uh, went to the World Series. They lost in seven games. Yep. And they fired the manager, Yogi Bear, because they didn't win the World Series. But the other reason they fired him was because they already had a contract with a new manager, Johnny Keane. Johnny Keane was the manager of the 1964 Cardinals. What happened was the Yankees and the Cardinals both planned in August to fire their managers really? in 1964. Both teams went on incredible hot streaks and went uh, to the World Series, yeah. fucking up everybody's plans. Yeah. The Cardinals win the World Series. John Keene had already uh, basically signed a backdoor contract with the Yankees, and he went into the Cardinals and said, basically, like, you know how you were going to fire me a month ago? Fuck you. Take this job and shove it. <laughs> Yogi Berra, poor Yogi was Yogi, and he, of course, was blindsided. And he got fired. <laughs> uh, so 1965 Yankees show up to spring training, and they got old overnight like that. So Elston Howard, Roger Maris, Mickey Mantle, Whitey Ford, these guys all show up to spring training, yep. all banged up, yep. all a step slow. The team went from winning, going through this huge run where they had won playoff. They had gone to the World Series and ready. 60, they lost. 61. 62, 63, and 64. Hmm. They won in 61 and 62, lost 63, 64. So you've got a five World Series in a row. Wow. They ended up finishing in, I believe, sixth place that year, had a losing record. Yeah. Um, and that was the beginning of the end. In the 66, they actually finished in 10th place out of 10 teams, had the worst record in the American League. Everyone got old all at once. Yeah. So poor Johnny Keene, though, he got, he thought he had a, keys to a Cadillac sure. got keys to a lemon yeah 65 and he's like oh all right so it was just an off year we'll come back 1966 they start off four and 16 I believe Ooh. they fire him yeah he dies that August no he had of a broken heart his he he, he yeah, like collapses in his farm uh he I guess he went home and he just complained to his wife every day like I can't believe what happened I could have this could have been different I got he he was just like he was just constantly complaining of his horrible situation and he felt he felt he would been dealt like this really just deck of bad cards and um and he and he said he died months later um and it may, may even it was either August sixty six or August sixty seven someone can, can fact check me on that one but he died like a year and a half or a half a year after he got fired as manager but the Yankees all got old all at once the reason yeah. I bring that story up is because a I don't want to talk about this fucking movie <laughs> and but b this happened to Pacula he got old overnight yeah you know he was a this movie is the sixty five Yankees sixty four Yankees is presumed innocent it's a good movie didn't win the World Series but it's good yeah this is the sixty five Yankees this is a sixth place. 
you know, 73 and 89 kind of team junk. And you're like, ugh, and you're just like, uh, and it was, this movie's two hours and 20 minutes. I think it's really long. It's a slog. That's the other problem. It's like not entertaining and you have to sit there for two hours and 20 minutes. It's it's rough. Uh, Are we done with this movie? Anything else you want to say about it? No, I think that, I I think that kind of sums it up. So C minus D plus for me. I don't know if it makes my, I'm going to give it a straight D. This movie's trash. Especially when you see the people involved. I like to see the problem is I like Denzel. I don't like Denzel in this. I think he's fine. I think he does. Yeah, but I don't, I don't like him. I liked his care. I liked him. He's charismatic. He's, yeah, he's fine. I, I don't, don't think, I don't think he's even that charismatic in this. I don't know. I'm going to have to sleep on this then. All right. I? Yeah, this is, I was even like, is this worse? So to me, this is worse than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in a lot of ways. Because that was meant to be a cartoon for kids. Yeah, like that. that and this was supposed to be a serious piece of art. Yeah, and this is like, this fails on a lot of levels where I don't know if Turtles fails on as many levels, like openly fails, falls face first into failure. This movie fails on a lot of levels. This I can movie, see that. This movie tries, and, and this movie also is, you know, a slog, and it was like, it was just, I, you know, if you ask me which movie is like a better crafted movie, then obviously this. Yeah. But if you ask me like which one I would want to rewatch if I had to, Turtles yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah, I can see that. A, it's shorter, and B, it's just more entertaining. This made good money though too, didn't it? Did it hit? 200 million this one did i think so uh i don't have i usually put it in here i think it might hit 100 domestic which is no it made a really good money absolutely no it did yeah yeah. i mean you have two yeah yeah, stars yeah she was gone for two years so now this is her return with denzel washington who's definitely a star at this point yeah Um, oh yeah totally yeah yeah um so so do you want to do the denzel washington hall of fame yeah let's do that because that'll be actually fun maybe cleanse the pellet a little bit i agree before we go on to salt Um, and pepper so he got his real, I mean, no, I'm going to skip through a lot of his early movies because a lot of them aren't huge. Oh, that's not true, actually. I won't, I lied. Okay. He really, actually, he's pretty much everything he touches turns to gold kind of thing. True. Um, but you're down on him, though, in general. I, I you don't think he's a good actor. That's not the case. You think he's a good actor? I think he's a very good actor. I think okay. he's a great actor at times. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm down his script choices. I, I think he is, um, I think, well, I think he makes movies that are beneath him constantly, and it drives me crazy. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't love his, his script choices. Now, a lot of that too could be, um, I don't want to get too much down in socioeconomic or socio racial political things, especially in this, but I think I wonder if a lot, he didn't get a lot of opportunities. Like, like he may not have, Yeah. Like, you know I what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, like, um, Denzel Washington's a better actor than Tom Cruise. I don't think he he's, a, I don't think he's a, like a, he's much better now, but in like, say the nineties, I'd say they were on a pretty even playing field. Sure. Denzel gets a slight nod probably. Yeah. Um, or maybe even, I don't know, maybe it's a, it's a coin toss in the 90s. After the year 2000, Denzel, certainly better. a better actor. Cruz lost, whatever that was. Yeah. Um, but you wonder if Cruz always got the better scripts because it's more bankable, white guy. Unfortunately, you know, it's not fair, but that's Could just how case. it goes. Yeah. And um, especially back then, I think now it's shifted a bit. It's probably not true where it should be, but I think, I think especially studios back in the 80s were unabashedly... Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's just how I it can went. see that. Yeah. So you wonder if a lot of the, you know, a lot of my annoyance that he doesn't do better movies is because, you know, maybe he just never had the really a chance to get, he never got the first dibs on, you know, all the Harrison Ford, all these great scripts went to these guys who aren't going to pass it up. And then poor Denzel is left with kind of what's left because studios didn't believe he was marketable enough. Mm. And I don't think that's a completely outlandish theory. No, not at all. Um, okay. So having said that, yeah, he does a great job making do with what he can. So he's, he got to start, he, he started off in one of my favorite shows ever St. Elsewhere. That's right. He only was on it for a couple of years. Cause he ended up, yeah, he wanted to do movies and it, uh, he was also an odd fit for the show. The show's kind of, it was a great dramatic show, but it was very quirky and, and, uh, 
not quirky like 30 Rock, but quirky like the character, like Howie Mandel was a regular on the show. Yep. Ed Bagley Jr. was a regular on the show. Yeah. It was, but they were, but they belong there where you, they don't belong in movies, but Denzel's a movie star. They didn't quite belong there, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, it was almost the Island of Misfit Toys. So then from there, he does a movie called, I'm going to, he does like Carbon Copy, A Soldier's Story, and Power. I don't really know anything about those. But no. he, does, he does Cry Freedom. And he got nominated for uh, an, an Oscar for that. Um, I've never seen Cry Freedom. I don't think I've seen it. Um, and then he follows it up with- uh, what? Do you know what year that is? 87, I'm sorry. Really? It's yeah. that late? And I'm surprised I haven't See, seen that. See, to me, I didn't know he got nominated for an Oscar that early. No, me neither. Um, he does, I'm going to, it is a, for A Queen and Country and The Mighty Quinn, which I haven't seen either of those. No. But Mighty Quinn was 89, and also 1989, he does a movie called Glory. Yeah. Wins the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. I actually really like Glory. Me too. Yeah, it's I remember a really seeing it. well it moved done movie. Me as a kid. We just talked about Glory uh, on the Tombstone episode. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it totally moved me. It, I think it's Broderick, maybe at his best. Um, it's uh, it's. I don't really I think like Broderick's that. wildly miscast. I think he's good in this film. I don't really like him in general. I think he's. I think he's at his best in, in Ferris Bueller. But I think he's okay there. That's a tough rewatch for me. But uh, really? but, but, yeah. But continue. I don't, yeah. well, I don't have to tackle Island that one day. Well, um, we'll we haven't there. really hit those. No, we haven't. We hit Uncle Buck. That's that was really the only right. Hughes. But that's, right. And that's really not no quintessential Hughes. It isn't. Um, I feel like we haven't hit that. We haven't had any Tarantinos either. No, there's a lot of like modern stuff that's coming. Yeah. Um. So he. So I think Glory though is like as of right now, Glory is the most iconic. Absolutely. Role. Yep. It's gonna be tough to beat him. Not gonna lie. He won the Oscar for it. But here we go. So then he has a movie called Heart Condition, which I saw years ago. It's saw it's, it. it's not good. Yeah. No. Uh, Mo Better Blues. I definitely saw it. I don't. I don't recall. I don't remember. Um, Ricochet, which is an interesting which movie. One? That's not it's the a, future it's one. A, He's a cop. It's with. Is that with Lithgow? I think it is with Lithgow. It is with Lithgow. But having said that, we go right into another movie gets nominated for uh, Malcolm X. Yeah, which goes back to my theory that it's kind of tough to have the Hall of Fame plaque, most iconic role, be someone we already have a relationship with in real life. Because you're right. Um, so I, I, to me, when I close my eyes, what's more Malcolm X, it's more Malcolm, I'm sorry, which more Denzel Washington, it's more Denzel Washington as Glory. I agree. Than with Malcolm X. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, that was his first uh, uh, lead acting role nomination. Ah. Uh, then he does Pelican Brief, which is yeah, we don't have to. forgettable. Uh, then Philadelphia. Um, yeah, another good one. Probably still Glory. It's Glory for me as well. Yeah. Um, let me see something here. So- because I don't think he did, right? He didn't get nominated for... Um, I don't think he got he nominated didn't. for that. He actually wouldn't get nominated no. again until Did Tom Hurricane. get no- nominated for that? Oh, he won. He won, right. Because okay. he's back-to-back with yep. Forrest Gump. That's right, that's right. Um, so uh, then two years later, is Crimson Tide. Uh, good film, still glory. I think Crimson Tide is a very good movie. Yep. That's about as good as like what that genre can be. Yep. Um, but Glory's just... Uh, he's he's really... He's really... That's really memorable. Yeah. That's a really good movie that he... In, in a supporting role, because I think Broderick's very weak in it. In a supporting role, like he carries that movie. Um, I, I would, I'd love to go into that movie. Yeah, that'd be good because that, that's that's uh, a, that's there's a lot there's a lot with that movie that's just the way it's shot is brilliant. The script is really good. Yeah. Um, Virtuosity in '95 yeah. with uh, with Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, and that was a futurish yeah. one. Yeah, I actually like that film, but I don't know how. I have you know, last time I saw it, I was a kid. Yeah, comedy doesn't really work well, but the two stars are like they're they're. They kind of are allowed to take that. It's the first time we really see Russell Crowe really like yeah. be Russell Crowe and like be like really charismatic. I think that's the first time I was conscious of him. That's a funner movie that has any right to be. Yeah. Um, 90, uh, 95 does Devil in a Brew Dress, um, which I saw when remember. it came out. Is I, that? That's not Woody Allen, is it? No, it's not. Uh, 
It's a uh, it's like a jazzy yeah um, yeah it's like a thing that hit place in like the forties. Okay. Um, ninety six. He does two movies. Does Courage Under Fire and The Preacher's Wife. I like Courage Under Fire. I do yeah. not remember the, the Preacher's, Preacher's Wife. Was Whitney Houston. Yep, that's right. But I don't remember it. I know I saw it. Ninety eight. He does uh, Fallen. He got Game and The Siege. Okay, I actually really like He Got Game. I like Fallen, but I really like He Got Game. Still not his most iconic. No, I agree. Uh, he Got Game, to me, is an example of a movie that Denzel Washington's too good for. There are a few Spike Lee films that I really like, and that's one of them. Yeah. 13th Hour, that's another one. Uh, 13th to 25th Hour. Isn't it the 25th, 25th Hour? Sorry, 25th Hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, 25th yeah. Hour is Spike Lee's best work, and it is... The, it is a brilliant film. That's a great recommendation. If you haven't seen 24th hour, go see it. Yeah. Uh, few movies capture the feeling after 9-11 like that one does. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's incredible. In He's it. great. Edward Norton's great. Too. Edward Norton's amazing. In it. That, yeah. Check out that is a, that is a movie that, uh, uh, un, it really captures the essence of like New York. It's really good. Check that. That's really good. Heavily yeah. recommended. Yeah, yeah. Um, my favorite Spike Lee movie by far. Um, the bone collector, which is kind of a, a dumb, yeah, that's okay. dumb action movie. Uh, and then 2000, here's Remember the Titans. I guess we have to talk about this because it, it has some, um, it has like a, um, a fandom on like TNT. It's on all the time. Yeah. And, and a lot of millennials think it's this great revolutionary movie. I think it's trash. And it's it's frustrating because um, another movie I think is beneath him. He shouldn't be doing Disney movies. It's a weaker, uh, it's just one of the weaker sports coach movies. Like it doesn't hit nowhere near like Hoosiers, nowhere near. No. Like it just doesn't even like, like a league of their own. It's like it's not even anywhere. Yeah, or even like a Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights not even like in, not in even. The same. Yeah, and it's it's really it's it's and this makes me like. I mean, obviously, I'm sure Disney gave him a nice paycheck for it. And Probably, stuff, but it's just like this. The, the, like Tom Cruise wouldn't have done a movie like you know what I mean. Like yeah. he wouldn't like. What are we doing here? And yeah, you know that that's not a good uh, movie. 2001 Training Day. So I don't like Training Day as much as most people do. Ooh, okay, I um I consider it a B. Like but what's more iconic role? I still, I don't, I think he's, I, don't, I think he's reaching too much in this film, in that film. I think glory is still. See, I'm going train day. Ooh, this is are you here. really? Yes, I am. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I think I owe you one from last time. Well, we don't have to agree. Do we? I thought we had to agree in the, on the uh, hall of fame. No, we don't have to. That's fine. Cool. Do we have to agree? In I'm hall sit, I can't remember. It's your game. <laughs> Fuck it. Forget my game. We're not agreeing on this one. We oh, Let's disagree on this one. Okay. That's good. good. Um, let's stay with glory. Uh, I think we do have to agree on this. We do? Yeah, let's go. With I that said day. that, and then yeah, you just didn't right. remember. I know. I'm Where not, is your head? It's not here today. I guess you can no, probably I tell. I don't, I don't I'm telling you sure for the 1964 Yankees, so it's always tonight. <laughs> uh, so, so I'll go he, with you on training day. So he that. was not, I'm sorry. So we, we skipped over Hurricane. Um, uh, oh, damn it. I still, okay, probably training hurricane, day over Hurricane. Gloria, yeah, I'm going to, see, once again, Hurricane, I know Ruben Carter, not as famous as Malcolm X, obviously, but once again, real characters, yeah, right. harder. You're right. Train, training day is, uh, is, is iconic. So he was nominated for best actor for Hurricane. And he won for best actor in training day. Jesus Christ. He's got two and he's been nominated he's two Oscars. four times. Uh, that's five and five we, times. We're not done. Jesus Christ. We're not done. Um, so let's go back to it here. He's nominated so many times. I have to like scroll through screens. Yeah. Uh, so 2002 does John Q and Antoine Fisher. I John Q is one of the worst films I've ever seen. Okay, so John Q is a bad movie that he's really good in. I don't remember how good he is. That he's movie really is good so in. bad. It's bad. It's like, it's not I don't quite hate it that happening bad, but it's it's close for me. Uh, it's not that bad for me. It's definitely a weak movie. It's a movie that he has no business being in. No way. It's no, frustrating. No. Uh, Antoine Fisher, I've never seen. I know I've seen it, and but he, I can't he directed remember. that. Hmm. Uh, 2003, he does Out of Time. I like that film. 
Is that about? I don't remember. That. Uh, it it is a he. I think he starts to see um things that are going to happen in the future. It's okay. him and uh, oh, what's her name? Doesn't matter. Okay. Out of time. It's a good film. Uh, 2004, he does Man on Fire and uh, Manchurian Candidate. Okay, Man on Fire is really good. So that, that's, that's one of his biggest hits. Yeah. Um, I'm still, I still really think Training Day is, is his most iconic. That's the, I'll stay with you. That's all. Like, go with like the Oscar reel, like when they do the in memoriam. Yeah. What's the, what's the shot they show or what's the scene they show? I think they got to show the scene in tra- the Training Day, like, you know, like, I'm the, I'm the king. Like, you know, I'm King Kong. You know, come at me. You know, uh, 2006, he does Inside Man and Deja Vu. I love Inside Man. Inside Man's good. But it's not, that's not it's really my second favorite him. Spike Lee. I'm not a big Spike Lee fan, uh, but he's my second favorite one. Uh, 2007, he does American Gangster and the Great Debaters. Ooh. Um, I, I really like American. Um, he also debated. American. He also directed the Great Debaters. I never saw that, but I, I really like American Gangster. I that's don't a Ridley Scott like, film. Uh, yes. Yeah. With, uh, who's, is Russell Crowe in it? Russell Crowe is it? And is it again? It? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't. I'm like- sorry, I fucked up. Out of time. It's actually this is. The, there are two films that are that have a similar title. This is he's a police chief in a Florida town. Like uh, so, there's no time. You can't see things happening. Then. No, no. Oh, okay. it sounds like a, no. Uh, there is one of those. Okay, that happens. Later. Uh, so. I think uh, American Gangster is a, a movie. It's, you don't uh, like it. I really like that film. So that's. But the, I'm a big apologist for really Scott. That's the kind of movie though he should be in. It doesn't work, in my opinion. But those are like, all right, this is a movie that Denzel Washington complex character, really good cast, yeah. really good director, yeah. A-list director. Yeah. Even though I don't love the movie, but like, it, it, you can, I can understand why someone would choose to do that film. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It's not like John Q or um, that. Remember the Titans? These like goofy, stupid movies. Yeah. Um, this is so that I, I like A for effort, but it doesn't quite land for me. Okay. Um, 2009 is the pa- Taking of Pelham One Two Three. Not not very good. It's okay. Um, I, saw the, the I saw the original years ago. I haven't seen the remake. Uh, 2012, he does uh, Safe House and he does Flight. Safe House, not good. Flight, good. Flight is the best performance by someone in a bad movie ever. I don't find that movie bad, but he is great. Junk. The the flights, the, the, the music they use in the soundtrack for Flight is the most on-the-nose music I've ever seen in a major film. I don't remember. What Robert Zemeckis directed it, but it's anything. If he's like, if he's flying, it's like flying. I, I don't, oh, I, I don't, okay. I don't I have see. exact examples, but it's like that kind of thing where <laughs> yeah. everything's exactly what you're seeing is exactly what the song is. It is, yeah. is bizarrely on the nose. Zemeckis, I think Zemeckis only did that movie because that scene where the plane goes upside down. <laughs> yes. That's the only reason I think he did scene. the movie because other than that, I think Zemeckis is like, oh, I don't want to do this. I like that movie. Uh, 2013, he's a movie called Two Guns. I don't remember that at all. Don't remember it. Two, 2014 is The Equalizer. Um, I probably saw, but don't really. Which recall. he follows up in 2018, Equalizer Two. It's the yeah. only thing he's done a sequel of. Yeah. Uh, and then he does uh, Magnificent Seven, Fences, nope. nope. And then Roman J. Israel Esquire. I do also want to mention he was nominated for uh, Roman J. Uh, Israel Esquire. Uh, he's nominated for Flight, and he was nominated for Fences, and he was also nominated Jesus. as a producer for Best Picture for Fences. So he has like eight or nine. He has nine nominations, eight for acting. That's crazy. Which is incredible. He's won two. I, w- I wonder, um, I wonder who the most nominated is. Meryl Streep. Really? Yeah, by far. Yeah. Yeah. She's about a mile. Yep. Wow. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, but eight is, is incredible. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The most funny. nominated person ever though, I think is John Williams. He has over 50 nominations. Yeah. I, I wouldn't put him in the same category. Yeah. Course, I wouldn't either. An actor, but, but that's why. Yeah. But Meryl Streep is, is most, I forget the most nominated actor is now off the top of my head. I used to remember this. It's gotta be close. I would think he's up there. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to say training day then. 
Yeah, I'm pretty good with that, but we'll put that. So what, what movie should we I put in the poll then? Definitely Training Day, Glory. Glory. Because um, those are two you won Oscars for, so we got to put those in there. Those two. I don't know. I'm, I'm uh, not sure. Remember the Titans? I'll probably put in there. I mean, just oh. because for, I mean, for some, some audiences, though, it is not for me. And then what other movie did you say you really liked that, we, that he did? Think uh, about it. I don't know. All right. I don't know. Do you have a fourth one? Yeah, well, yeah. We can, oh, Hurricane, maybe. Or Malcolm X. Maybe Malcolm probably X. Malcolm so, yeah, because maybe other people probably don't have the same restrictions. Yeah. Uh, with like, you this know, is not our best. This is not our best show. Fuck it. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, salt and pepper. Uh, no, 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 salt and pepper. Salt and pepper. Are you? Are we the salt and pepper of podcasters? <laughs> Which one's pepper? <laughs> Who that would be weird. Yeah. Who's Who's DJ? But are we Cinderella? like the same? Is that like are we the talent level? Salt, salt, of salt, salt. salt. <laughs> are we like salt? Like you know what I mean? Like we're not Simon and Garfunkel. Like we're are we we're like not? the salt? Oh, because we're we're kind of on the same level. Well, like yeah, are we, is that like where we are in this? To be honest, of, I I definitely think that you're. You've you've got the talent slightly on me on this one on on the podcast. Yeah, I, salt do, and pepper. I do. Oh, okay. I do feel like I'm. I'll take it. Well, you produce the show, so you get points there. So. I do get some points. Yeah. Uh, so salt and pepper. I actually don't hate this song, but it's. I don't think I don't hate the song. I don't have a ton to say about it, but it's uh, which is never good for a podcast. <laughs> but uh, it, no, actually, I this is the kind of song we hear at a party. You're never upset. No, that's the thing. You'll listen to it. It's fine. Yeah. I said the same thing. And actually compared off. to the songs you said, Matt, we did our top five and bottom five songs on Twitter. And Matt sent me the list of all of our songs. And I'm like, <laughs> holy shit. I, ha- shit. I absolutely, shit. but I, I mean, I, I hate 10 of these songs. Yeah. Hate. Yeah, I know. And uh, this song I actually moderately like. Yeah, this won't crack a top five or it bottom five. It'll be my, somewhere in the middle, but it won't top my. It won't actually, this will be probably top third. Maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, it wouldn't crack my top five, but it'll crack my top 10. It's quite possible. Okay, yeah, it'll be close. The songs we've done have been terrible. So let's talk about Salt and Pepper first. Do I have to say Pepper? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yes. Okay, fine. Uh, so the song is shoot, but but form, uh, Salt and Pepper formed in 1985. Salt is uh, Cheryl James, Pepper is Sandra Denton, and DJ Spinderella. That's Thank you. We can't forget DJ Spinderella. No, of course not. Their first main hit, we all know, is Push It. And it was a huge hit, 1987. Uh. And I actually, that's my favorite Salt and Pepper song. Push It? I wonder if it's because of the nostalgia of it. Also, it was really the first, there weren't a lot of female rap groups then. And that one was a very bridging rap song. Like it was, it was such a popular song. It was a, you know, a female artist. And I think it made it so women could like rap because a lot of the rap at the time was kind of misogynist and, you know, some of the lyrics were really hard on women, but yeah, this, they, this they is were, kind of a crossover. They were move. one of the first, if not the first, right? Like, so yeah, I, definitely. I, I always like to imagine, and if you listen to it this way, it makes a lot more sense. The push it is about taking a shit. That's not what that's about. Well, I think it is. Um, but I really like. Are you? Don't disparage that song. <laughs> do you like? Actually, do you like push it? I, I do. Yeah, I think it's a I really know, crappy, know, fun know, song. Another song. Are you here at a party? You're never upset. No, I, I actually like it. If I listen to it, if that were our song this week, I would I would give it much higher. I put reviews. it in the same level as Shoop. And what's it's the other song by uh, and what like, a man? What a man. There's those a ton of three. Them. I think are all songs that if you heard, you know, uh, in your car or heard, like you're not going to change the channel. You're going to enjoy it. Is it something I'm going to seek out on my own? Probably not. If push it were, uh-huh. it would be in my top. It would be in my top five. Oh really? Yeah, it would. I really like that song. I think it's a great song. And but there's a nostalgia. Is it because you like too. songs about taking shits? Okay, so they uh, that was 1987, and I think they were a prime candidate to be a one-hit wonder. Honestly, I agree. It yes. kind of felt like that, right. but that wasn't the case. Uh, their first album was called Hot Cool Vicious, Vicious, sorry, and Push It was their like their their biggest hit, sold a million copies. But they do right. They have all the earmarks of one-hit wonder. You're absolutely right. Yeah, but what happened was um, 
this is this is how they this is how they form. So uh, they Salt and Peppa were working. They were actually studying to be nurses. They were working at Sears, and a coworker of theirs was in like the recording program somewhere in, in New York. And they said, "Hey, can you come on by and record some stuff?" Uh, and they're like, "Sure." And that became this song called Showstopper. And I wanted to play a little bit of Showstopper oh, okay. for you. Yeah. There's a payoff, so hold on. Sound familiar? It, it, it does, but not, not right. Where is it? That's uh, Revenge of the Nerds. That's their like song oh, at the end where the violin players play yeah. in, like his futuristic sound okay. and they do their little rap. That's what they sample. I, I think I think that song sounds like girls trying to be Run DMC though. Totally. Yeah. Like, and that, like, but that's the sound of the time too. Yeah. But you're right. What else on the nose? I agree. Uh, that song did chart. It got to 46 um, oh. on like the R&B okay. chart. R&B yeah. and like rap charts or something. And uh, and it sort of convinced them that they could make an right, album. So that, that became their first album. And, and like I said, Push It was their big one. They were the first female rap group to go platinum. Yes. Which makes sense. Uh, yeah, that's wild. First female rap group to win a Grammy. Oh, okay. And so I, my contention is they were, they were actually, and I, I didn't really think about this much until this episode, very important to mainstreaming rap music. Well, don't, like, don't they have the nickname like first ladies of rap and hip hop? Oh, maybe they do. Yeah, I think they I do. I, I think they're know. like, I think they're very well respected in that, in the in that community as, uh, as rap and hip hop like world as like uh, real pioneers. That makes sense. Cause Which I think they, they are. are. Yeah, they, I think they are. And they, I think they were, there were a few rap artists at the time that were crossover artists that really got into, into mainstream music and they were one of them. And because they were female, they made it okay for, you know, women to, to listen to rap. And the thing is too, like their sound is fun. Like it's not really fun. It's yeah. not like, I don't know. Like, uh, it's not, it's not like gender specific. Like guys and girls can both enjoy that music. Like yeah, they really their can. Music, like it's not. I don't feel it's like. And you're right. Like rap up until then was so male driven. Yep. That this, but this is something that guys. Not like you don't feel like a loser listening to Salt and Pepper. No, like, you don't. Like, you know, like, oh, no, it's gonna, cool. You know, I'm gonna turn this down low and not be embarrassed. Like, yeah. oh, I could listen to that. And, yeah. So fast forward a few years, uh, and their fourth album is very necessary, and that's the album that shoots. And on. that's their hugest. Album it is, and by I did. Far. I would not have known that. It seems weird, but it's true. They so that sold seven million copies. It was by far their biggest. And they've only sold fifteen. Not only, but they've sold 15, yeah, total. 15 million as a group. Right. So half of their take is this album. Is this album, and it makes sense. It has uh, three hits. It's got Shoop. It's got uh, What a man. man, and it also has my favorite on this album. Actually, oh. no. Sorry about that. It's a good song, no? It's, uh, yeah, we'll get there. This is a good one. Right, isn't it fun? This is a good song. Like, listen this to that album. The keyboard sound in the background. It's just Rhodes. So that's a really good song. This, this is a fun album. Yeah. There's three good songs on the album. Really? Not many yeah. albums have three good songs. No, it's harder to find. Yeah, particularly for pop, pop yeah. musicians. Yeah. For, yeah. Songs that we run into. Jesus Christ. Of course. Yeah, that, that one's my favorite, but uh, but Shoop came from it too. Shoop, um, number four on um, on the Hot 100, uh, topped the rap chart, a rap chart, sold over a million copies itself. 
as you said, I don't think it's a bad. I think it's a pretty. I think it's a pretty good song. It wouldn't change. It's not my favorite on the album, like we said. Wouldn't ch- I wouldn't change it off the off the radio if I was hearing it. But it, you know, not my favorite. Pretty good. I do like their rap flow, though. I think that's the thing. One of the things that's that's compelling. They do have like cool beats and stuff, and and uh, um, like we just heard on uh, none of your business. Like you know, they'll they'll do like cool keyboard parts and stuff that are fun. But I think their rap is like really advanced for that time period. Even if you listen to their earliest, like Push It is is kind of an advanced rap tune for what was happening at the time. So I have a, a question, class, like comment for you. Yes. Yeah. So I think their music sounds really professional and really like, um, like it just sounds like they they plus their their vocals to me are very clean and crisp. Very clean and crisp. Yes, very accurate too. Which was not the case at the time for eighties no. rap because unfortunately a lot of these guys eighties rap you, they weren't getting good studio time and so that. Yeah. But I also just think like maybe you know the best singers in the world doing it. But I feel like Salt and Peppa are both really good singers. They are, and they harmonize so well together. And it's just like oh no, like. I never feel like it's muddled. And the cool thing is by this point in time, they're taking over a lot of the production uh, on oh, their albums. Right. So they're having a big hand in what they're doing. So, you know, they're, they're pretty talented. I mean, you can tell they're talented musicians. They know what a, like a, a good song is supposed to sound like. The production quality is really good. They maybe maybe we're not together. the ha- Salt and Peppa. Maybe we're, we're not uh, Hall and Oates. What are we? Hall and Oates is good though. Yeah, Hall and Oates is good. Well, I mean, we're good, I guess. We're fine. We are good. Yeah, we're good. We have to be like top 3% podcast on the planet. <laughs> in terms of like our skill set, don't you think? Oh, we should also Most podcasts. We also should shit. address too. So Mariah Carey had a number one song. Yeah, this this week it was Hero. We just like we. I wasn't gonna bring this up. I I, I want. I, I'm the one that kind of kiboshed it. So I uh, I just it was almost like so we don't talk about sequels on this show, right? Like unless we've seen the original, and uh, I just don't know like what else. I mean, if we ran, if we run into the song again in six months, I'll talk about it. I guess, but like I just don't know what like, there is to say right now about it. I Not feel a like lot. we just kind of like I just thought like there wasn't a lot. And I'm really glad we didn't do it now because the movie was such a like probably movie was so boring. Like, if we oh. did like. It, it would have like, been ugly. I just feel like this is not a lot to it say. It was Hero, right? Yeah. And we even talked about Hero on the Mariah Carey That's episode what I think. too. So it'd just be like a, it's another adult contemporary song. We just do the same thing over. And like, and, and right. it's not a thing about like Mariah Carey. No, thing. it's it's like let's say we had just run into like um I don't know who's or one we just did recently like Rob Thomas and yeah whatever. Like, like yeah. I mean like oh, we just talked about Rob Thomas. Yeah, like, I don't like we can do it again. I mean I guess you know sometimes we will. I'm sure we will eventually talk about Mariah because she said so many hits. So many, yeah. But like I, I don't know. I just. I, it wouldn't have been very compelling. I don't think so. I wouldn't I have been know. very interesting. I would have done it, but it wouldn't it was, have, we would have, have, have had, We would have said the same thing, which we both stand by in our Mariah Carey episode. It would have just been hard to find an angle that wasn't already covered. That's the problem. Right. We okay. both hate Adele contemporary music. Right. We both don't really like Mariah Carey. Right. And we would just would have said those same things again. So we Basically. did this song instead, which is a better song. Yeah. So um, I wanted to talk about the samples in the song. Okay. So this is... Uh, this is like the main sample. But they slow it down. So it's that versus. See, I really like that. Yeah, that is. Uh, guess what, though? It's an Ike Turner song. Oh, we don't you like Ike Turner. No, and I, I was asking myself, yeah. would I have, would I ever use an Ike Turner sample? I don't think so. Well, I don't I, think I would. Uh, yeah, we, we, we talked about Ike Turner in a pre hit, but Ike Turner, not, not, yeah, a, not you, a good no, man. A piece of shit. Bad, bad, bad uh, but this is where it is in the song. Oh, I'm lying. This is the. That's super sperm. That is in the song. Oh my! Here. Oh, all right. Super sperm. Oh, okay. that's a super sperm. Sample. I don't like that as much. I like the other thing you played earlier. Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit better. Uh, that's it. All right. Yeah, those are the samples in the song. That's the song. Cool. Shoot, pretty good. Not gonna cross the top five. Salt and pepper. 
thumbs up to them. All right. So uh, let's talk about a uh, personal story. Quick one. Yeah. You've got one. Cause I, I already did my last yeah. time. Yeah. So, uh, Look, at the end of the day, look, 1993, uh, December, it's Christmas again. Uh, yeah, we keep hitting Christmas. Keep hitting, and we have another one coming up like soon. three it's of them cri- already. No, two, and then we're going to have another one in two weeks, too. Um, so uh, Christmas 93, I, I, you know, I was 14. I got, uh, I think I got a Sega game gear. But I'd rather talk about, um, so I didn't have a TV in my room for the longest time. Yeah, me neither. I don't think actually growing up at all until college. Oh, my God. Okay. So I didn't have one. Uh, so my dad's rule in the house was, we couldn't have a TV in our bedrooms because he wanted us to like be a family. So like we didn't want us to like hide away in our rooms all the gotcha. time. Um, which eh, at some point, like, all right, the guy's like 14. I don't have a TV in his room, but fine. Um, so uh, what I used to do though is I still would hide away in my room, but yeah. I would listen to, so on, on the radio uh, here in New Hampshire, there was a, a station in Maine. If you went all the way to the left of your dial, so like 88.9, I think it was, uh, you would pick up channel six in Maine, which is NBC affiliate. And they would play the TV shows on the radio. Really? Yeah. I've never heard of such the a thing. The entire, like, everything. What? Yes. Um, so I would... How did you understand what the fuck was going on? Oh, because uh, you just use your imagination. I guess so. But I would really not do it so much during the, like... Honestly, most of the time, like, I enjoy my family, like, whatever. And then sure. was out there. I do, yeah. yeah. But um, but at nighttime, I wanted to... I, I really loved late night TV. So I would listen to... Um, at first, it was, you know, Carson and then Letterman. Oh. And then it became, you know, for that one year, it was it like Leno and Letterman, right? And then it was, um, and then it was uh, Leno, uh, Leno and Carson. Oh, Leno, I'm sorry, Lennon and Conan. So I would listen to those shows uh, on the radio. Okay. So um, are oh, they doing fiction shows too, or just like the late night stuff? Everything. So you really? could like listen to Friends. I've never heard of or this whatever, or Seinfeld or yeah. Cheers or whatever. Um, but I said, I didn't usually I'd watch those shows. I'm like, sure. on TV, but at night. So, and then after that, there was a show called, uh, uh, later with Bob Costas. It was a half hour interview show. So how it worked was like the year I probably listened to it the most was like 93. So you had like, you had Leno, yep. you had Conan and then you had, um, and Conan was just new and, and he was, his show was really raw, but a lot of his bits were very visual. So you had to kind of imagine <laughs> what people were laughing at. Yeah. And then you had a half hour. Cause I, I don't sleep a lot. Right. Even now, like I, I, even back then I go to sleep at like one or one say and get up at like, you know, six or seven for school. Sure. And even now I do the same thing. Yeah. I don't, I only get like five hours sleep at night. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. It just, it's just, I just, I just don't, don't need a lot of sleep. So I would listen to, and I listened to later and later was great because it was Costas with different guests on. It was just one guest for no band or anything for half hour. It was really, really interesting. Get to hear some good guests. Sure. And then it would go to, I think it might go to news at that point. Um, like a, like a NBC news, you know, would run. Yeah, you had all that. And another thing I'd listen to is a WERZ here in New Hampshire, which is a top 40 station. Is that 107.1? Oh, yeah, 107. So, right, all right, every state, every station across, you know, every city has a top 40 station. But here's the weird thing was, uh, at 7 o'clock on Sundays, they would have Rick D's and weekly top 40. Exactly. Right. I used to listen to that. Right, which is not weird at all. Yeah. But then at 9 or 10, I think it was 10 o'clock at night, they had a stand-up comedy show. Really? Um, yes. It was a syndicated show. It was Richard Belzer's brother. Oh yeah. Who since killed himself, I believe. Um, but uh, he hosted the show and they would play like basically like a stand-up showcase. So like 10 minutes, eight to 10 minutes of different stand-ups. You have eight, 10 minutes of Brian Regan, eight, 10 minutes of Jerry Seinfeld, eight, 10 minutes of whatever, George Carlin. And they would play Seinfeld and Regan a ton. Cause you could play those on radio yeah, really yeah, easily. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they would, they would play guys like Carlin, but they'd bleep it out and things like that. You know, like you never heard Richard Pryor on this, on this thing. Of course. <laughs> you never heard any Murphy on this thing, right. but they would play these comics and it was, uh, you know, it was really my, I don't know. I, I feel like it's kind of like my, your introduction to comedy. 
in some ways, I mean, I knew what comedy was at that point. I mean, I was like 11, but 12. But comedy on stage is different than yeah, comedy. Yeah, it, like, it was like really like, it was almost like my own, pro- like I don't know anyone else who listened to it. It was almost like a secret show, you know, like where they almost, I almost felt like they were performing for me in a weird way. It was almost like a show because I enjoyed it. So I remember like, Hearing some of these acts, and I would just be like rolling on the floor, of my <laughs> I, like my carpeted bedroom, just like laughing, like tears from my eyes because it's just so I just never heard such great things before. Sure, and it really got me really into stand up. And then flash forward when I was in New York City, I got to um, go to the Comedy Cellar a lot, which is the best stand up club in the country, in my opinion. And have I told my Jerry Seinfeld story on here? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, cool. I'll tell it, and then we'll go into headlines. So, um, how Comedy Cellar works is this: is, it's this, the comedy club you see in Louis. If you watch the show Louie on FX, like it's the show, it's yeah. like he yeah, goes yeah. and gets pizza the in the credits, he gets the pizza and he goes down beat. Um, so uh, I was, so if you watch season three of Louie, I'm in the crowd for all of those standups. Like, all, yeah, I think you mentioned that I, actually. I think I might have yeah. told you that maybe off camera, I yeah, think. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, or off mic. Um, so I was, so what happened was someone tipped me off that Louie was going to shoot. So he does all of season three, he does all of that all in one, that's one, yeah, yeah, one yeah, night. Yeah. Right. So he does it basically, he does like an hour and a half set for you. And it was free because it, it was on TV. So FX, you only had to pay for your drinks. And then so I was, and Comedy Cellar was so small, I had a front row seat, which. Right. Yeah, almost every CD is front row. So I got to see like Louie do a full set front row. It was amazing. And then if you do listen to season three, you do hear me cackle. They black out all the crowd, but right. you will hear me cackle when he's in the comedy cellar uh, once in a while. But um, I'm surprised he never, he didn't, he didn't like single you out for your cackle. Like he never made fun of it's you. It's not that distinct. Your cackle? Uh, Gooey's funny. A lot of people were laughing. Of course. It wasn't just me. But you do you do hear me every once in a while. You uh, have a distinct laugh. That's all I'm saying. I guess. Yeah. Gooey's a pro. He's not going to, he doesn't need to resort to cheap parlor tricks to make fun of my laugh. I guess. Um, but I, so one night, it was right when we moved to New York and I was feeling, I was feeling kind of down and uh, my, my, my first wife said, like, let's go, let's go to a show. I'm like, absolutely. Like, you know, I need to get out of this funk. So we, like, let's go to the comedy cellar. It's like a Tuesday night. And what happens is they'll post who's going to be there, but that is always subject to change because a big name star can come in and basically bump somebody and just never, that's kind of the fun of the comedy sellers. You never know who's going to pop in. And how it works is you get like six to eight standups, each one going for about 10 minutes. Uh, and then that's the end of the show. Yeah. But it's a really fun room. It's a really tiny room, super intimate, super fun. So we go there and a guy named Tom Papa, he's the guy that did the marriage ref. If you remember that on, mm-hmm. on NBC, he came on the 10 minute set and then the host of the show comes on and he, he looks like he was white as a ghost. Like, it looked like he just told like JFK got shot. And he's like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I get to announce that next on the stage is Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. And Jerry comes on <laughs> and it was like, it was totally like, I had a front, I had front row seat. Like, right. And I idolize Jerry Seinfeld. I think he's just brilliant and he's my favorite, maybe probably my favorite standup ever. Um, yeah, he's not as great as he used to be, but he, in his time, I think he was great and I loved the show. And and he went on and did uh, did his like 10 minute set. And it, honestly, I don't really remember a ton of the jokes he told. Sure. It was more just like, and then as he's leaving, uh, I, I, he's, the comedy cellar is so small. You basically have to like, almost like be like three inches apart when you're walking off stage from the tables because they fit as many tables as they can in this tiny room. Uh, and you're literally in the basement of a restaurant. So yeah, like, yeah. you're a tiny, tiny. So he walks back, I go, I go, Jerry, Jerry, thank you, thank you. I was like, I was like, I've never been more starstruck about this. And he goes, he goes, no, thank you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, Jerry Seinfeld just thanked me after I said, it was, it was the moment when I realized like, oh my God, like moving to New York was like the right decision at that time. Like right. I, I was never happier to be in New York than that very moment. And I was just like, that was amazing. Uh, but the comedy seller is a fantastic book, but it's a showcase. And the big reason I love showcase, I think is because that uh, ERZ show. Well, there you go. So there you go. So never TV run up. Okay. Headlines. Yes. All right. On December 20th, Donald Trump married Marla Maples. Oh. Yeah. Um, really? 
Six years, I think they were married. He was on Howard all the time during this time. Yeah. So this is another show I listen to on the radio a lot, all the sure. time. On, and it was uh, for us on WBCN, it was 1041, and it was at nighttime. So his show would start at like seven o'clock at night. Um, and it was very odd, but because his show obviously would air in the morning, but you know, it was pre internet, so you never got any spoilers. No, 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 no. So you, you felt new to you when you sure. heard it. And Trump was on Howard all the time during this moment. Like, I remember him like being engaged from Marlon Maples and married. Ah. I remember all of this. And he would come on, he would rate women all the time, like one to 10 scale. Of, Trump would? Oh, all the time, of everybody. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, he was a, he was, you know, the most, if Howard ever released those tapes, there would be some, and he, he says he has all of them. If he ever released those, it would be very damning. Why would he should? It would just be fun to listen to. I agree. Yeah. Um, Trump's been married three times. I guess I didn't realize. I think a lot of them are also yeah. to protect Howard too, because Howard was saying some things that were incredibly, yeah. not the Howard we know today. Oh, no, no. He's such a pussy now. Uh, also, Ace of Base, baby. There it is. What'd you see? I saw the sign. You did see the sign, didn't you? The sign. Why do we do this on? Because it was released this week, but it was nowhere oh, near the top okay. of the charts. Right. Uh, but this became the number one. Wait, wait, wait. Became Billboard Song of the Year in 1994. Oh, okay. We talked about how Black Velvet was a song of the year back to back. Or no, ASCAP said it was that, but it was one of the songs of the year. But this was number one. Well, that was the most played. Most played. But, and that could have been across genre, too. Right. But this is yes, the this Billboard is the most, Song of the Year. most purchased. Okay. Um, that song was huge. Huge. Not a, not a bad song. No, I fucking hate them and that song. I don't mind it. Oh, it's so bad. It is so bad. That no. would be in my bottom. Really? Uh, it would be it's like, like Macarena bad for you. I don't mind it. I'm not saying I oh, love it. I don't see the same thing that you have with the turtles is the same thing that I have with the Macarena. Like Macarena is supposed to be this thing. It's this fun, ridiculous, stupid song. Yeah. So I give it way more props. So this is the, Pel- this is the Pelican brief. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> or Poseidon of, of uh, cause Poseidon's the worst. It's not for me, but it is for you. It's close. There was What's one. What's the worst? Uh, it's uh, identity theft is the worst. Identity thief is worse is worse than Poseidon. It is. No, really. I mean, they're fucking you know neck and neck, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you have to say about that? Yeah. Push it. So, um, <laughs> in an interview with the Associated Press, Hillary Clinton says her husband Bill, then president, asks her advice on major issues, but that her powers are limited. Yeah. This, she was not a popular person, especially at that time. No. I yeah. Mean, do you think she's more or less popular now? You think she's more? I think she's less well, popular Well, she's revered now. by... So I, I would say she's... A, back then, no one liked her. Now, I think there's like some people that really, really like her more because of... She's... Some, I mean, when you win the popular vote but lose the election, there is a pocket that will always root for you. I, I guess so. Yeah. The Al right. effect, if you will. Yeah, but I don't think... But it seemed like the voters for Hillary Clinton were more were apologists, though. Like we can't stomach her, but we have to. That, that seemed like the yeah. Voting. I think people just kind of feel like she got like a short in the stick. Yeah, you, that could be right. Uh, yeah. I don't know if people like like her more now than than in the past, but doesn't matter. That's what she said. Al Gore has a weird voice. Al Gore, yeah, because Southern and slow. Yeah, um, very Eeyore. You know, that's the that's the joke, I guess. Yeah, right. kind of it's very fair. much like that. I buy that. But uh, last thing was December twenty fifth was Christmas. That's right. Uh, so we have a uh, we have big guests coming up on Wednesday. Why did we spend an hour on this podcast today, though? That's what our listeners. Why are the doing. fuck? That's what our listeners. An hour well, on this stupid movie. I did. I did tell a long story about Jerry Seinfeld. Jesus I, I Christ! I did tell a long. Well, it's, it's a good story, though. Oh yeah. And yeah. I did tell a long story about the sixty four sixty five Yankees. 
There was that. I guess that added. No, but that wasn't maybe we did, five we did, minutes. We did, we did uh, Jesus, Denzel Washington though. Hall of Fame. Play. Okay, that, yeah, and that was. Maybe what we do is when oh. when we have a movie that's not good, we still deliver the goods. We do get. Yes, we do. We that's did, why I think we we're didn't top three percent. We didn't have a weather report this morning because we did it on our last show. Yeah, we blew that load. <laughs> okay, so tell us about what's happening on. We have uh, Wednesday. We have a big show, so we have. Uh, we're jumping to 2007. In fact, it's the week before the I Am Legend week we just did. Right. And the movie we're doing is Walk Hard. Mm-hmm. And the guest is Blind Mike. So Mike Geary will Mike be on Geary the show with from, us. Mike Geary from from uh, uh, Kirk Minahan Kirk show. show World will be on uh, from the, the show. With us. I mean, he's he's the the world and the show. Yeah, yeah he's of course beyond the world. He's 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 a uh, so uh, we're excited. Mike is uh, someone we both think is very funny, and uh, I'm 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 a gearhead. I'm a gearhead. I'll come out yeah. and say it. Yeah, I, yeah. I've said it on other shows. I'll say it. I'll say it here. Yeah, this uh, is this is a safe room. Oh yeah, safe room for you. Is, safe yeah, room. we're yeah. Uh, so he's, yeah, so I'm excited. Uh, we're, or I'm super excited, Micah, because I'm a big fan. Cool. All right. So we'll, uh, we'll catch you then. See ya.